one of two survivors from a mission where we encountered a sentry that guarded ancient tombs in Egypt. He was a twice-cursed man, a sentry with four wives, both cursed as a mummy and cursed as a vampire. The Vampire Mummy Sentry for thousands of years guarded the tombs of the craftsmen who built the great pyramids of Giza's plateau. We helped him recover his brides in part one and two, and he bid us good day, <laughs> farewell, and he returned our lives to us. There were five of us. Now in the year 2022, there are only two of us left, myself, the time traveler, Dr. Andrew Michaels, and Tom Parker, a 93-year-old World War II veteran, spry for his age, and quite active. He noticed a news report where those same five coffins, five this time, the four brides and the vampire mummy sentry himself, 
were brought to a New York museum for display. He was shocked to see it. They were sealed and they were being brought in for public display later in the week. He immediately contacted me. We reminisced. We talked about the good old days. There were a million men like Tom Parker who fought back evil all over the globe in the years between 1937 and 1945, and some of their stories were not told. Stories lost in the Spanish Civil War, far off China, Indonesia, and the Russian continent. Some stories just never got told, but Tom's, I told you his. How he was possessed. How he had to help me carry out a mission to rescue the brides of the vampire mummy and return them back to Egypt, which we did. And in return for keeping our oath, our promise to the sentry, he released us from our curse, and we were on our way. I recap all this because it was funny how Tom and I talked. He was a little jealous and inquisitive why I was still a younger man in my appearance, how I looked like I was only in my fifties, while he was very aged and wizened. And he did want to know, and then he said, maybe I don't want to know. And I said, well, in here, and I pointed to my head, I am the man you knew, Dr. Andrew Michaels. And yes, I am a bit of a time traveler. But the body you see before me is actually my grandson's body. It's a hard story to understand, but I'll tell it to you someday. The only thing you have to be concerned with today is helping me convince the curator of the museum not to display five undead creatures under bright lights and sunlight in the middle of an arboretum in the museum. It won't go off well on opening day. Tom and I went to the museum curator with our notes, files, and proof of everything that I have told you before. We had the credentials to back up everything that we told him. Photographs, photographic evidence, maps, and letters from different government officials, all easily contacted to verify the data we were showing him. He, of course, agreed that the five caskets must immediately be reloaded and packaged back 
to Egypt and return to their resting place. He said, there's no problem and we will comply completely. And actually, the museum research scientist that brought them here, I'd like you to meet him. He's almost your same age. He fought in the war as well. Of course, he doesn't talk about it as much as you do. I think it's because he was from the other side. We told him we would like to meet with this gentleman. And that we meant no harm. We didn't want to ruin his research or his career. And we most certainly will help him with making duplicate copies of caskets that they can display in place of the real ones. We weren't heartless and we weren't trying to just t take off with the caskets, but the government was willing to go out of its way to help the museum with its loss. Obviously they were misled by some grave robbers and international criminals. And to avoid a lot of public uproar, it would be in our best interest to make facsimiles of the coffins. And that was work was being done as we were speaking. Your government isn't always out to get you. Sometimes it's out to actually help you. <laughs> it was a short walk down the hall for the three of us to meet with the museum research scientist and discuss what we had just told the curator and move things along. He also wanted to show us where the caskets were being stored. Men were breaking open, breaking open the shipping containers as we speak, and they were getting them set up on the pedestals that they were going to be displayed on. So it was prudent that we got down there right away so they could just repackage them and get them shipped away as soon as possible. When we entered the Arboretum, where the caskets were going to be displayed, only two were broken open by now. Two of the coffins. The main one of the vampire sentry himself and one of his brides. Six large gentlemen, much, much younger and much, much stronger than I, were working to break open the shipping containers and were eyeing us quite suspiciously. These were brutes, not regular museum workers. Something felt amiss immediately, and I felt myself reaching for my spectacles, but I was actually checking to make sure my sidearm was unlatched under my coat pocket. I noticed Tom giving me a signal with his left hand. Obviously, he felt uncomfortable, too. He also felt very unarmed. And then we were shocked, and I mean shocked, coming out of the shadows, walking with a cane. There he was. The same Nazi scientist who stole the caskets in the first place in the 1940s, 
there he was, standing right in front of us. The curator said, I'd like you introduce you to, and that's when we said his name for him. No, no, that's not his name. His name is, no, I corrected the curator before he said his name and repeated his actual name. So we meet again. How are you, Herr Linder? And Herr Linder replied, I am well, Dr. Andrew Michaels. I should have expected a visit from you. Nothing gets by you, Americans, always interfering. But this time, you're too late. The shadows were hiding him because he was able to display his supple fangs. You see, he said, you made a deal with the devil all those years ago, and I made a deal on my own. And he laughed. I was dying of cancer, and I wished for more life, and I knew exactly where to find it. And now I have the gift of the vampire kiss, along with my immortality. And he laughed again. Staying in the shadows, he was thrilled with himself. Though I will be crippled and weak, I am not dying any longer. Frozen as I am, at least my mind is pure, and I can go on with my research, my research that will bring the Reich back to life. I shook my head. Tom Parker actually laughed. We started to both laugh out loud. You know, we put you away before, Herr Linder. You lost. You lost the war. There is no going back. There is no rebuilding this thing that you guys call a Reich. You know the world will never put up with your kind again. Ha ha ha. Linder laughed. And that's where you're wrong. Read the papers. Your proud boys. Your KKK. Your hate groups. Neo-Nazis. All across your country. They need somebody to unite them. And who better than someone originally connected to the Fuhrer himself. <laughs> Linder made a most provocative argument. And there was a lot of hatred in the world, and in my country in particular. Racism, anti-Semitism, bigotry. It's never really ever going to go away until people all learn all learn to get along, to treat each other equally. But Linder forgot one small thing. He was still alive, but so were there others, like Tom Parker and myself, and the descendants of all the men who put down the Third Reich in the begin with. They may rise again to a level. They may try to usurp 
power establish themselves but there'll always be people that will be willing to stand up to them and put a stop to their evil plans I know times are scary right now and I kind of am going off on a tangent but if you're listening right now I know some things are really frightening it seems like we're going backwards in this great nation and in other parts of the world and there's violence and war in Europe and the reversal of freedoms for many people in the United States. And everybody seems just fine with it because they're getting their way or they're convincing themselves it's okay because it doesn't apply to them. But sooner or later it will be at your doorstep. Here we are at Herr Linder's doorstep. We're aware of it, we have to acknowledge it, and we can't walk away from it. I reached down into my suit pocket, and I put on a crucifix. So does Tom Parker. We might be old, we might have walked into a quote-unquote trap as the men busting open the shipping containers stop their work and start surrounding us. But we didn't come unprepared. I walk over before anybody can act, and I push over the vampire sentry's casket. It busts completely open, the contents of which roll into the shadows, a scream as ancient as all of Egypt erupts in the room. Linder even screams, No, as the vampire sentry himself erupts in a cloud of black smoke, flames blowing off of his body as the sunlight from the arboretum strikes him as he rolls into the shadows. His casket lying in the sun, he stuck in the shadows. I've disturbed his sleep, and oh, he is extremely angry. In our minds, I immediately hear not part of the deal, not part of the deal, not part of the deal. I hear Linder's voice. I hear Tom Parker's. I hear the museum curator and the other men all screaming, screaming like little girls in their minds. All these tough men with crowbars, hammers, picks, screwdrivers to open up these cases, power tools, cutting tools to open up the boxes, suddenly drop their tools and try to run for the door. Unfortunately, the doorway, the exit, the egress was in shadows. The vampire sentry made short order of the men opening the caskets. He decapitated all of them almost immediately. He used a scimitar that he had brought to his side, not a true scimitar like you might know, like a swashbuckling curved sword, but a kopesh sword, something the Egyptians used. It was bent in a different direction than a regular scimitar, but it was perfect for hooking the men one at a time. 
decapitating them like dandelions getting flicked by a little girl. He was so angry, he threw his copish sword across the room, and it struck his bride's casket. It pushed the casket into the shadows, and she immediately erupted from the contents inside. Linder receded even more, but you could still see the white fangs and teeth of his mouth as he screamed no over and over again, and his eyes were red. You're ruining everything. And we were. The sentry had cast a spell. The arboretum suddenly became clouded, darkened. The skylights letting all the sun in suddenly were covered with a black mist. Was this something his bride was doing with him? I couldn't tell. But it was amazing to behold. He had learned some new tricks. He wasn't going to let somebody like Linder get him again. So why did he come to this place? Why did he allow Linder to capture him again when he could just block out the sun? Linder approached now, walked straight towards me with his cane. He wasn't so feeble as I thought, and he hit me, knocked me ten feet back. It hurt. He might be old and crippled with age. Frozen in time as a ninety-something-year-old man, approaching a hundred years in his body, but he still had vampiric strength. I was gasping for air. Air in my chest, it hurt. Obviously, the crucifix around my neck did not slow him down. I heard the sound of the copish sword being removed from the edge of the casket. The vampire sentry sheathed his sword. And he approached. He reached down with one hand. As I was gasping to catch my breath, he picked me up by my neck like a little boy, a father correcting his son. He stood me straight up by my collar, almost ripping my shirt and my coat jacket off. I was amazed at the power that he was exhibiting. Tom Parker was backing away from Linder trying to move closer to me, but keeping his eyes on the ancient vampire. The vampire sentry reached inside my coat and ripped my sidearm from its holster, threw it across the room. He said something in Egyptian, but in my mind I heard, no use for that, no use for that. You will not be pulling any more tricks on me today, you men in your toys, for lack of a better word. He knew I came armed with a gun able to at least hurt a vampire or a mummy. Linda tried to negotiate with the sentry, but he would have none of it. I promised you the vampire's kiss. In return, look what you've done. Look what you've done. You tricked me. You brought me to this place. And here are the men who kept their word. Why did you bring me here? Their caskets were never to be opened. They were supposed to be kept in a sort of hibernation. And Linder would have them on display 
and be able to research, use them at his beck and call. They thought by giving him the vampire kiss they had promised themselves with his word that their tomb would be guarded, but in return he lied, brought them here, used technology to keep them in a sleeping slumber, always in the sun they could never awaken. Only by pushing the casket into the shadows did I allow the vampire mummy to awaken. This was never supposed to happen, Linder said. In his mind, it was never supposed to happen. The vampire sentry said, I will keep my word if you will keep yours once more. But I assure you, Doctor, I assure you, Tom Parker, there will be no more deals after this. If my sleep is disturbed again, all of you will die. Eternal damnation, a thousand hells, a thousand torturous years. I will hunt you to the end of time. I will torture you in life and in death. I promise you this. We will not be disturbed again. But I ask only one thing in return. Please take my casket and my bride's back to our home in Egypt. Take us home where we belong and leave us. Leave us to the edges of time in the past. I promised the vampire sentry I would carry this out. Linda said, Forgive me, master. Forgive me. And he kneeled down on his rickety old knees, begged the vampire sentry, I can arrange for your return. I can arrange everything. You can be returned. I have already been helping covertly to make duplicate copies of all of the caskets for display. I was strictly going to research you further. I never intended you harm, and eventually I would have returned you. Believe it or not, I could tell he was telling the truth. He had already been participating with the government on building the duplicate caskets. So it was always his intention to just research them and then send them back. He was only using them for selfish reasons so that he could spread the vampiric curse amongst the neo-Nazi people of America. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. He honestly was going to help us return them. I was shocked. My actions actually totally screwed up all the plans. But it also spared him learning any more knowledge about the vampires themselves, because I was going to force him to return them now. So I wasn't completely screwing everything up. But we were both act, acting or operating on the same plan, just he wanted to milk their technology, their supernatural powers for his own use. Well, that was coming to a quick and abrupt end. I immediately called for backup. And we've got a bunch of operators 
and agents in there to help us repackage the caskets. We took Herlander into custody. He was restrained so that he could not harm anyone, but we kept him there so that he could fulfill his obligation and return the caskets to Egypt. I didn't see him again until I met him on the tarmac of the airport in New York. The caskets were being loaded into a military jet. And it was nighttime. It was a moonless night. And by orders of the vampire sentry, his casket was opened right on the tarmac to prove we put his four brides in the plane. He inspected everything. We showed him the manifest. Everything was as it was to be. He also knew that I was following him back to Egypt to have the entrance to the tombs sealed over and an actual building placed over top of it so no one would ever be able to interrupt their sleep again. He was very happy with my thorough plans, and everything was in place. Linder just laughed. Sooner or later I'll get out. Sooner or later I'll get out of prison. I could hear his thoughts through the master's mind. It was weird how we were all interconnected. It was strange. It was strange indeed, but what was stranger was what came next. The vampire sentry pulled his copish sword from its scabbard. He struck Linder directly through his heart, hitting him with so much force that the old man dropped his cane, and he slammed him to the blacktop ground, piercing the blacktop with the copish sword. He pinned him fully to the ground. There you'll lie, waiting for Ra to give you your send-off from this plane of existence. I'll let Ra deal with you. And he turned and entered the plane and entered his casket. The men sealed him inside. Linda was pinned like a vampire, staked through the heart, the sword firmly a foot into the black top. The power of his strike was immense. Linder was, for all intents and purposes, dead, unless somebody pulled the sword. <laughs> I wasn't doing that. They set up a perimeter, a crime scene, if you will, and I watched the plane take off. I sat there watching as the sun peeked up over the horizon. Linda and this amazing ancient Kopesh sword first turned to fire, turned to dust, evaporated in the morning sun. 
Ra, the bringer of all life, the sun god, had truly spoken. And an ancient evil was erased from the blacktop, the tarmac, clean of everything except the strike, the hole the sword had left in the ground to be repaired. My work there done, I followed through. I got reports and photos of the caskets being placed properly where they belonged. The entrance sealed. The landscape leveled over top of the area, and new buildings put over top, a community center for the people that lived nearby in the towns that had grown up around the ancient ruins. No one would ever harm, awaken, or bother, or disturb the ancient tombs again, at least in my lifetime. I planned on living a lot longer, but I knew as long as I was around, that building wasn't going anywhere. That foundation was never going to be disturbed. A community center in Egypt, donated by some men, veterans that helped free the people of Egypt and northern Africa from the Nazi scourge. Amazing, isn't it? A building dedicated to the men who donated the money to hide a tomb. But the people thought they were just returning with their kind investments in their retirement to build a community center for the people there. A nice way to end a story from the greatest generation that ever lived. I thank you for joining me for the story of the vampire mummy. And it ends on July 5th, the day after 4th of July. As I said earlier, I know a lot of you are a little bit frightened about changes in the United States. They're fast changes. They're scary changes for some people. And they're frightening. And there's a lot of violence taking place all over the country. And a lot of unstable people carrying it out. Don't give up hope. It's people like you who stay the course. Stay strong. Read, study, learn. Make sure you spread the knowledge that you've gained to those around you and those coming up beneath you. Treat everyone in your life as an equal. And sooner or later, things will get better. Things were pretty ugly a long, long time ago and many, many Fourth of Julys in the past. But we've gotten this far. There's no sense giving up. The only thing we can do is keep going forward. And until I see all of you again, please have a most blessed day and know that I am thinking about you and I do care. Never give up. Okay? It does matter.
you matter. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tirar de Hueo. Please take a moment to share this podcast with someone who might enjoy it and to rate or review it on your podcast player of choice. Those small things only take a few minutes and they really do help our podcast grow. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library videos online at youtube.com slash Links to connect with us on social media and to take a look at our merchandise can be found in the show notes. The theme song Atlantis is by Jason Shaw of Audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tiradohueo at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels and his entire staff, thank you.